God damn it, really? Hey, everybody, welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. All right, welcome to another episode of I'm Okay, You're Okay, I'm Not Okay, You're Not Okay. We keep it real. Look, here's what we don't do. If we're not okay, we're not going to be like, I'm okay. How are you? How are you doing? I'm okay. You don't sound okay. But I am though. I'm okay. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm okay. 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 Are you going to ask me how I'm doing? How are you? I'm okay. You sound okay. I am okay. <laughs> you don't sound okay though. <laughs> this is what I sound like when I'm happy. You always have to say I'm okay. That's the that's the part of the joke that's funny. I'm okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'm okay. I actually have been experiencing a um a lack of joy, which is it come these things come in waves. It's so weird, but it's like nothing brings me like no food, music, writing, guitar, movies. That's some scary shit, man. What's what's scary? Not deriving any joy from the things that you love. Oh. I don't know, man. I can always get squeeze a little bit out of the toothpaste. Well, it's like you just um, you get a few minutes and you're like, two. well, what am I going to do? What could I do? Because the possibilities are like, oh, a book, I could play guitar, I could write a song, I could watch a show, watch a movie, I could talk to my wife, I could hang out with my kid, I could take a walk. There's like, you know, there's about 20 things you could do at any given time tailored to right. what you like. Okay. And when you go down that list in your mind and you, 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 this is what it was like for me. This is like me going through the Rolodex of things that I love. No, right. no, no, no. And then you're like, well, I, I, I need to do something. I feel empty. I feel restless. I have the God-shaped hole. And then you're like, well, what can I do? I can, I could buy something. No, I could look on Amazon for something fun. No, go to a record store. No, everything just comes up. No, right. Those are tough days, man. Those are tough fucking days. Yeah. The only thing I have is the knowledge that I've been there before and that it passes. So it's like, you just have to wait. It's weird. There is that cool thing in life where you know at some point you understand it is the mark of being an adult for sure at one point you understand and know because of your experience not because of some idea that somebody's given you that whatever you're feeling is going to pass now that's fine when you're feeling shitty and you're trying to tell yourself all right just get through this and you'll be you know tomorrow or the sun will come up tomorrow the problem with it is when you're feeling great, you're like, oh man, this ain't going to last either. Yeah. This is going to change. And I tell you, man, I've had these moments in my life where I've just been so joyful. And then at that, right while I'm feeling the joy, I'll just realize, oh, this, I, I just want to hold on. I just want to grab this and have it with me forever. And it's just like, trying to grab the the water that's yeah, coming right. onto the shore the air you can't yeah. you can't grab it what are examples of moments like that for you when you because i'm fascinated by that i don't know if i've i have that i just remember one time i went to a movie with my ex-wife before we were married and it was a beautiful evening in austin and we were like i don't know if we were going to the movie theater or coming back from the movie to the car but we just like hugged in the parking lot and I was just like, I'll never be happier than this moment right, right now. Right. And 
it was just such a weird, I like was really feeling great. And then at the same time, I was just knowing it was going to pass. And I've had some other feelings like that. You know, what's weird that I've been experiencing though, is I've been feeling really like feeling a lot of dread about stuff. And then in that moment, I'll be like, I may never be happier than right now. And then I'll feel guilt about feeling dread. I'll give you a quick example. So last night, Nova wanted to, she wants, she's been sleeping with us and she was like, hey, can I come up later? So she falls asleep in her bed, but then I take her up. She's getting big. It's like hard to pick her up now. And I was like, yeah, you can come up. I'll take you up when we go up. <clears throat> when I went in her room, she's sound asleep. It's dark. I'm tired. I don't feel well. I got to carry her, her big ass up there. And she had, she'd put all this paint in her room. She was painting something and she just didn't put it up. And like, we just have this never ending war. I'm trying to teach her how to put shit away. Right. She's not good at it. And so it's just every day is a battle of like her cleaning her room. And so as I'm going to pick her up, I'm feeling just kind of bad about all that. Right. Yeah. And I, as soon as I, I pulled the covers off her and she was just sleeping so soundly. And it's, I just realized everything I'm upset about and grumpy about I, I, the vision, honestly, that came in my mind was 10 years from now when that room is just a guest room again and she's gone. And I thought you're really, you think you're, you think you're fucking dread. You dread that she has paint in her room you are going to fucking dread when she's gone and you don't even have this to be upset about. And that, in that moment, I think what I was telling myself was you need to be happy. This may be one of the happiest moments you have. Your kid's young. She loves you. She wants to be in your bed with you. She was playing with paint today because she's a fucking kid. Right. And what are you, some monster who needs her room to be clean so that you can feel like there's order in the world and you're going to waste all this time being a fucking one of those dads that just cracks the fucking whip because she's a kid. It's just that shit rushes at you hard, man. And the the poetic response is like, well, I'm gonna change, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna live my life knowing that now with that knowledge. And then you don't change much. You that cycle perpetuates. It's just really hard. I'm having a hard time with all that. Dude, make her clean her shit up, dude. Yeah, I do. My wife just she, she'll create these tremendous messes. And then I just go around cleaning them up and I'm just angry when I'm cleaning. When I'm cleaning up their shit, I'm angry. Now, when I'm cleaning up the kitchen in the morning, I don't care. I'm like, oh, I've got a kitchen to clean up. I'm actually such a privileged person on this earth that I actually have a house I can call my own and dishes and stuff and I can clean it and feel good about it. But when I'm picking up shit from the, from the living room floor, I'm like, fuck that. Like, I don't play that game. Like, with my with my daughter, I'm like, hey, what are we going to do today? And she's like, oh, I don't know. What do you want to do? I'm like, well, I don't care what we do. But first thing we're doing is we're cleaning up the living room. We do that. And that's good. They need to, they need to learn it. Your job is to teach her that. And especially yeah. if, you're, you know, your partner won't do it. And, and believe me, we're in a similar boat with that. But um, I think what I'm trying to process and work through is just the and maybe, maybe you need to, too, because I do the same thing. I, I, I start to get resentful when I feel like I'm just picking up messes all the time. And because uh, I don't believe me, I don't make a lot of messes for anyone else to clean up because I don't believe anyone else will do it. So and, and I need it to be neat for to be to feel safe. So um, but the thing I'm trying to untangle is that like the day's done. It's all over anyway. And I'm just going to trudge through my beautiful life and be and just have all this tangled feeling instead of like yeah. trying to find a way to transmute it into love. Like I, 
I've done that a little bit with my wife and dishes. Like I do the dishes a little more than her. I'm not saying I do them all the time or I only do them. But I used to do them like when I come home from tour and there'd be like two weeks of dishes that aren't mine. And I'm like scraping eggs off a thing, but eggs I didn't even fucking eat. And I would be mad. It would make, make me mad. And I somehow, right. not that I'm some fucking hero, but I did find a way to transmute that into love because I just realized this is something she's not going to do. And I can, and I'm going to have to do it if I want it done and I do want it done. So I can sit there and be mad and do it, or I could, or I could just feel love while I do it. And I found a way to do that. I just need to crack that code in these other areas. Yeah. I don't know what I don't get. I never, I don't know. I've never done, I've never been angry at my daughter cleaning up her mess because she's a kid. Yeah. I feel that way too. And I do feel like my dad, especially my dad, I don't remember my mom doing it, even though I'm sure she did. But when I was a kid, my dad would always get angry, like really angry to the point of where he would like hurt me, where he would like spank me. Right. Right. He was that angry. He wasn't spanking me because I had done something wrong and he wanted me to know that, look, we made an agreement to not do this thing. And now that you've done it, I've got to give you the spanking. I don't really want to do it, but I'm going to do it because that was our agreement. That is, if you messed up on this one agreement, then you were going to get a spanking. And then he would give me a spanking and, and it would hurt, but I would be like, okay, I did something wrong. I knew that I was doing something wrong. We'd already discussed the boundaries and what my role was and what, you know, what he expected of me. And, and that's why this is going on. No, he would just fucking get angry and come at me angrily and hurt me. And so now my, my, so now when I, I look at the world as like, oh, the world's going to come at me angrily. And I can't reason. There's no reasoning with the world. There's no reasoning with God or the world or anything. It's just going to come at me. So all I can do is be perfect and do everything right all the time. That's the way I've lived my whole life, dude. And that ain't no way to live. That ain't no way to treat your boy. And that's the way I've been treating my boy, me, my whole life. But so the cool thing about being a parent is you get to give your kids the gifts that your parents didn't give you that you really wanted. Like the things you wanted the most as a child, you get to give your kids. Now you fuck up in other ways. I, I know I do, but I just don't get mad at my kids. And I, I talked to my son who's 16. I was like, do you ever remember me getting mad at you ever in your life? And he's like, no. And my daughter's the same. I mean, I think I yelled at them once or twice because they were running towards a road and I wanted them to stop. But it wasn't like, I wasn't angry. I was just like, you need to pay attention to me right now. I think not yeah. because, oh, I hate you because you're doing something that's inconvenient. I think, yeah. I mean, I'm convinced more than ever that adults are just children, you know? Adults, oh, for sure. Adults are just children. And so you, you're acting out a deficit of your parent, of what the models that your parents did or your, you and I are, are unique in that we saw shit we didn't like and we decided we're not going to do that as parents, which is pretty cool. A lot of people don't do that. They just do what their parents did, even if they, it hurt them. It's so right. weird to see my friends who are parents now do that. Um, but the deal, I think what a lot of parents mistake mistakenly do is they want their kids to be afraid of them. 
And that's how they operate. Like, oh, you don't want to do, oh, I'm going to tell your dad you did that. And then the kids like lives in, you know, there's that like archetypal fear of dad thing. Well, when dad right. comes home, he's not going to want to hear about what you did. Whereas I don't want my daughter to ever be afraid of me. I want her to have the respect. I want her to know that there are some boundaries and dad's paying attention that dad, you know, like she ain't going to get oh, yeah. away with shit, but that's, it all comes from love. It's like a different starting point. Cause she knows she can't get away with shit, but she's never afraid of me. And it would really make me sad if I lost my temper or lost control enough times for her to like that starting to be her go-to. Sounds like maybe with you and your dad, definitely with me and my dad. Well, I mean, I've never hit my kid. No, me neither. Yeah. we. Don't I've do never that. hit either of my kids and my parents. When, when, when Luke was, a, was a, you know, two and three, I would tell them, I'm like, Hey, I really, I want you guys to babysit. Here's the deal. No yelling at Luke, no hitting Luke. If he's not doing, if he's doing something you don't want, you can talk to him about it. And if you don't like those rules, do not babysit. Do not. Then, you know, you're, you, and the, and to their credit, they were great at it. Like they were such great grandparents because they took those directions and, and then they would, and then they would do one of two things. They would do this thing where they're like, Oh, Luke's such a good boy. He's such a good boy. I'm like, yeah, of course he is. But, or they would go, or, or if he was going through a stage where he was testing his boundaries, which is what kids do, they go, they go through stages where they want, they, they've, they've grown somehow as human beings. And now they're like, well, I need to know where the boundaries are and they'll test you and, and to find out where they are. And you as an adult, as a parent have to go, okay, we've reestablished that these boundaries have grown. They're here now. This is what I expect of you. And during those times, it can be hard because kids, you know, are screaming and crying and acting out and doing stuff that kids do. Cause you know, like when you say, Hey, you're acting like a baby, that's what kids are. They're immature. They're not fully mature adults. My parents expected me to be a fully mature adult when I was three and four. It's stupid. Right. And so they would do this thing where, good luck. Good luck with the way you're raising your parents. Let's, with, with the way you're raising your kids. We'll see what happens when they're adults or teenagers. You're going to have your hands full. Guess what I don't have? My hands full. Yeah. My 16-year-old is fucking amazing. Yeah. Never yelled at him. Never hit him. Now, is he going to make some bad decisions? I'm sure he will. He's not perfect. But, but I told him the other day, he, he just went to his first party. Well, his first party since uh, he's been to some other parties when he's at his mom's, but he was at my house and he's like, hey, there's a party at this guy's house. I want to go to it. Can I go? I'm like, and dude, I didn't know what to do. Like I'm the adult, I'm the parent. Mm -hmm. I like immediately, my first thing was like, well, let me call your mom and see what her take is on it. And she was like, yeah, I'm fine with it. Cause he's driving. I'm not taking him there. Did you have to have the like explicit, like, well, here's the shit I hope you don't do there. Oh yeah. yeah. No, no. I No, this is why I said, I was like, dude, you're going to this party. You're driving. If you drink or if you smoke pot or take a pill or whatever, and he's like, I'm not, I'm not going to do any of that. I'm like, I know you're not planning on doing it, but that's what happens at parties when you're a teenager. People have beer, people have pot, people have drugs. 
and you decide to try it, if that happens, call me or your mom. doesn't matter. You're not going to get in trouble. We're just going to come pick you up. We can talk about it tomorrow or whenever. But don't just try to drive home drunk because I don't want you to hit somebody and then have to go to jail or hurt somebody and feel bad about it for the rest of your life. And he understands that. Like he knows that if that happens, he's going to call me or his mom and we'll come pick him up and he'll be fine. And I'm not going to be angry at him. I'm not going to, you know, because I just care. I just care about him. I just want him to be okay. And he's going to make bad choices. I made so many bad choices in my life and somehow I got through by the skin of my teeth. I could have died so many times. So many bad things could have happened and they just didn't. Right. And you don't want that for your kid. No. It's really easy for us to be like, well, I'm, I landed on a spot somewhere and, but you, I don't want for my daughter what, what I have. No. I really, no, I really don't. And I think one of the things that's so painful about it, it's like you said, you're like, I just want him to be okay. It's not really about do you drink or not. It's like, I just want you to be okay. And I, I just, part of the part of them getting older is like just dealing with how out of control your sphere of influence it just gets more and more you know more and more out of your control dude kids are going to do what they're going to do my my whole thing my whole the whole time i've been parenting is if you want your kids to be good you have to set a good example they're going to look at you and your behavior if you're smoking if you're like don't smoke but you're smoking gfy your kids are going to smoke. If you're smoking and you tell your kids don't smoke, your kids are going to smoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're fooling around and you tell your kid, hey, you should, probably shouldn't fool around. Uh, it's not a, not cool. But you're doing it. They're going to do it. If you're abusive in your relationships, they see it all. Who, however you act, your kids see everything that you do. They see you. They see you when you're, you are being you. So however you are, that's what kids learn. And I mean, the cool thing about Luke is that he's just never, he's never seen me do any of that stuff. Um, just cause I got sober a long time before he was born. And then, you know, the, the other stuff that I wasn't crazy about, like, you know, philandering and stuff like that. I, I got that worked out before he was you know, one years old. So he's just seen, and his mom's, you know, she doesn't have the same problems as I do. She's not an, she's not an addict alcoholic. She's just a, you know, a a good person. And so is his stepdad and, and, you know, so is my wife. So that's what he knows. So he, he has this baseline for what it is to be a responsible human being that I just, I never had, and you never had it either. Yeah. But you are showing that to your daughter, you know, in a way that your, that your dad didn't. So you're doing your job, dude. Yeah, I think so. It's, it's just weird to see your kid come home from school or come like, you know, we have some family members that are extremely religious, which is fine. You know, we're, we don't argue about it. It's not worth arguing about. And, uh, but now, she comes home and she's doing the like cro- the Catholic like crossing before the meals and she prays now before meals and she's just reciting what she heard them do and we're cool about it you know we ask her a lot of questions about it I 
you know, she was, she was scared to not scared, but she was like embarrassed to do it in front of me. And cause I guess she picked it up while I was out of town and I was like, well, what's going on? What is it? And she was like, oh, I'm just praying. And I was like, Oh cool. Well, like what's the prayer? And she said it to me. And I mean, inside of me, dude, I'm not real happy about any of that, but I told her, I was like, you know, you can believe what you want to believe about God. I was like, but me and your mom are, our job is to tell you what we think is true about Santa Claus and God and Tooth Fairy and what, you know, that's our job. And I was like, and we'll always tell you what we think is true. I was like, but it's up to you to, you know, you, you can believe whatever you want about God. And she's like, well, I want to believe in God. And I'm like, all right. And the painful thing is like, I can't control the ideas that are offered to her. And all I can really do is give her a safe place to exercise them and teach her how to think for herself. And I think we're doing that. I feel okay about that. But it, it is painful. It is a sting. There is a part of me, and I have this more than my wife, there is a helicoptery part of me that wants to protect my daughter from things that I think are harmful, which I think, I think the idea of God that she's being told about is harmful. It does scare me. I don't know. I, uh, we didn't do any God stuff with Luke. Now he went to church with my parents a few times, but in our house, like I never brought up God, never talked about it. I don't think his mom did um, when he was with her. And I don't feel that good about it. Like I liked, I, I liked the idea of God. Now I didn't like the idea of a conditional, like a God who loves you conditionally, which was taught to me by the Catholic church, which is like, yeah, if you just do this and this and this, you're cool. And you go to heaven. If you do this and this and this, God's going to come at you. And like, kind of like my dad and, oh, really? But that sounds crazy. Yeah, but that's the way it is. Well, that's unreasonable. Yeah, but that's the way it is. Like, I didn't like that part of it, but I did like the idea. I I just like the story of it. And and so with, with my daughter, it is weird having kids 10 years apart because you get to kind of do things a little differently the second time. With her, I've brought up God more. Like, during the pandemic, especially, I was doing the morning, like I would have the mornings with her and I, I was kind of doing her schooling in the mornings, like homeschooling. And we would start the day off the way I wanted to start the, my day off with, which was to pray. And for me, that was getting up and and we would both get on our knees and we would pray aloud, which, and basically a prayer was thank you for this day and thank you for all the wonderful people in our life. And we would just name all the people, you know, our families and friends and, and, you know, and it was just a nice way to start off the day. And, uh, and I don't know, again, I don't know if any of that'll take, and I don't know if there's a God or if not, I don't have no idea, but I, I find it very comforting to pray to this thing that I think loves me. And, and again, I don't know what that is, but I do believe something exists outside of myself and outside of this world or outside of this experience. And I like talking to that unknown thing. And I, if it gives me a lot of comfort and it also reminds me that all the craziness in the world, you know, without that, perspective of a thing outside of this world, then this world just kind of, 
if all there is is this, it's too much for me. For other people, maybe it's not too much. But for me, if this is all there is, just an endless writhing of organisms trying to survive and procreate and survive, if that's all there is, that's not enough for me, dude. That's a that's a dark, terrible place. But if this is a movie that we're seeing that we decided to watch or experience, I'm fine with that. I like that idea. I like the idea that I'm this eternal soul and I went into some center like a, you know, not maybe not like a movie theater, but something like that. And they're like, well, what would you like to do for the next, let's say 105 years? Because I like the idea of living a little longer. What would you like to, what would you like to uh, experience today? Oh, I think I want to be uh Oh, that Bob Schneider movie looks pretty good. Yeah, but can I interest you in this Clint Wells movie? This dude doesn't believe in God. He's going to, it's, it's, it gets real dark here at the end. It's like a horror movie. No, I'm going to do the Bob Schneider. I'm, I'm in more of a mood for a wild thrill ride. Yeah. All right. Let me do it. I like that idea. Like that's comforting to me. And I know for you, you're like, well, I can't believe in that. And I get that. I understand. And and I it breaks my heart for you that you can't. But again, at the I same could time, if I, I, know, I could. It's, it's not unavailable to me. I just choose not to. I don't. I know. But at the same time, it I realize it doesn't matter. Like, at the same time, it doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't matter what you believe. In fact, if you don't believe in anything and you lose your mind because you watched uh, somebody beating a horse uh, that's a great experience to have. Like that experience. Is it Freud that lost his mind? Nietzsche. Nietzsche. When Nietzsche went crazy, like what a great experience that was to lose your mind completely watching that horse get beat. I'm like, it's not for me to say that that's a shitty movie. That's a great movie. In fact, the movie where you're, where you're, the the dude who devotes his entire life to God and is sitting there in a diaper begging for scraps. That's not, that guy might be the most close to God, but who gives a shit, dude? GFY in your diaper, dude. Enjoy your life. Make mistakes. Have fun. Enjoy this world that God has made for you and all its possibilities, but don't enjoy it too much. Don't fucking Jeffrey Dahmer it either. I don't think he was having a lot of fun. I think he was pretty miserable almost the entire, I think his life was extremely painful 24 seven. I don't know, dude. I feel like all of those killers at some point they're like, Oh yeah, it's all an illusion. I'm just going to do whatever I want. They just start killing people. Oh my God. No, man, you should, you should, there's actually a lot of interview footage of Dahmer talk because he was a really smart dude. Oh no, I'm not thinking. I'm thinking of Ted Bundy. Not oh yeah, Ted Ted Bundy's was a rapist and a, you know, he he had a different thing than someone like Dahmer or Ed Kemper. Those like super smart dudes who were abused as kids, who just grew into these monsters as as their only way to deal with the broken world around them. That's fascinating stuff. And those dudes were just straight up in twenty four seven constant pain. It doesn't excuse anything they did. They're fucking monsters, but. To have those guys, and that's why they offered up so many interviews is because Jeffrey Dahmer is like, look, this is like a unique opportunity for someone as smart as me who can kind of talk through some of this to like 
give you guys a pretty good profile of what I did, why, what was going through my head, why I did it, what my life was like, what my wow. motivations were. And it's, it's really like fascinating and sad. Amazing. Dude, it's so, everything is amazing to me. I just watched that fucking 9-11 documentary on Hulu. Which one? It's just called a day in a day in a, one day in America. It's like seven or eight parts. Oh man, it's so crazy that that happened. And the anniversary of that's coming up. Yeah, it's coming up in four days. Mid, yeah, well, I don't know when this podcast comes out. It might be out today. This one does come out uh, on Monday, which will be the day after nine eleven. I guess so. Yeah, it's Monday the twelfth. No, Monday's the thirteenth. Dude, the best joke I ever heard about nine eleven was I think it was uh, Peter Tosh. Is it Peter Tosh? Daniel Tosh. Daniel Tosh. Peter Tosh was a reggae musician. Yeah. Daniel Tosh did a thing where he's like, the only good thing about 9-11 is that now and forevermore, we'll always know what the number month is for September. Oh, boy. Brutal. (laughs) Because before 9-11, dude, nobody knew the number. I did, because my birthday's in September. Oh, well, yeah, maybe you did. But if you were born, like I was born in October, and I guess I could do it pretty quick. I'd go, oh, yeah, 10 minus 1. <laughs> but if you're born in April, you don't know the fucking number. <coughs> Period. Well, anyways, it was, it was a pretty good joke. It's hard to make 9 11 jokes, dude. There are just some amazing, amazing stories about 9 11, dude. That's, that shit was so fucking. I mean, I knew what was going to happen. I was watching the documentary when I saw those planes hit. Dude, I, I'm i telling you, man. Jesus Christ. All of it was just so just awful and terrifying and terrible. Well, and on that note, we have to get out of here. <laughs> Thus concludeth uh, this riveting episode of I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay. Here's what we didn't do. Like normally we we hang out on the shore of frivolity and silliness. But you and me, we put on our fucking man diapers and we headed into the deep ocean on this podcast, dude. What else were we going to do? Dude, we could have just hung around and collected seashells like we normally do. But dude, you and me put on our old soggy fucking man pants and we fucking swam into the sea. As we do. And here's the deal, dude. We lost some listeners. Because not everybody can swim. Not everybody's got this. Not every Look, not everybody's got that, dude. <laughs> we lost some people. They drowned. We left them behind. Well, we got to go. I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. Good luck to them. Bye. Bye. <laughs>